0: Yeah. I've decided I want to road trip to Ghent. Where's Ghent? Belgium. Okay <laughs> You guys are making a podcast.
1: Ugh, no one asked for this.
0: Right, so this is the final. 2020 episode of the podcast nobody asked for which is hopefully quite obvious for people because it has been released on the 31st of december
1: yeah it's not that it's you know we we know something you don't about the end of the world or something this is the the last day of of 2020
0: thank fuck Thank fuck for that. So yes, I'm Ian Harris. I too have been through 2020. Yes, I am
1: Graham Jones, also a survivor of the past year. Actually, let's not say that, just in case something horrific happens between now and this podcast going out.
0: That would be (laughs) be a depressing, like, (laughs) this episode is dedicated to Graham Jones.
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm Graham Jones, and yes, 2020 has been shit. But we, we did this, so that's a positive,
0: and I got a dog, so... It's not all bad. Yeah, exactly. It's you know I got extended the tattoo. Got to watch a lot of TV. It's been a it's been a weird fucking year. It's, it all seems. Do you remember when Australia was on fire?
1: Yeah, I was looking at and I know you shared those pictures earlier of like the Google trends and stuff and what what people have been googling this year and the stuff. Obviously, you can see when it's happened based on when the searches are pinged up and stuff in my memory seems like it happened much further ago than it actually was because everything has been crazy this year, but like, you're right. So that was like January, February time, right? The, the Australia fires. And then we had everything else.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And all of us, all of us sat and thought, Oh, you know what? This is horrible, but luckily this is going to be the worst it gets. And then everything just gradually got shitter. But I think it it has been, I, I, I know it's kind of, uh, Wanky Instagram story thing to say, but I think it is a year where people are appreciating what they have and what's important, and I think there's gonna be some a lot of people running the first marathon available after lockdown ends and things like that.
1: yeah, I think yeah, it's a lot of like taking stock, refiguring out what's important. I know one thing i I really realized is like I think my last the last gig I went to was the 29th ninth February. And one thing, big thing for me is like anything that crops up now, I'm just gonna do, even if there's no one to do it with. If I want to do it, I'm gonna do it because you don't know when that rug is gonna kind of be, whipped oh yeah, if, from if, underneath you again.
0: If the choice is doing something by yourself or not doing it, you do it by yourself. It's what, what was the last gig you went to? Uh, Beartooth. Ah, nice. L- last gig I went to was Lindemann, which nice. was the first time I've ever received an email saying this gig is an 18 certificate. <laughs> it was fucking crazy. And then the last film in the cinema I've seen is The Color Out of Space, the fucking Nicolas Cage film, which I think we did. Y- you came with us, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. That was. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, because we-,
0: we, we got drunk in that Dutch pub.
1: We got drunk in the Dutch pub, then yeah. we went to the Canadian. We basically did a tour of the world because clearly we knew we wouldn't be going anywhere else for the next <laughs> twelve months. Yeah, then we went to the Maple Leaf and uh, yeah, watched the football. And yeah, I think that was probably my last kind of proper day slash night out before the everything kind of hit as well. So yeah, it's been a it's been a wild year, but it's been a good year for film
0: and tv yes yes it has which also surprised me i assumed no films would be released this year Uh, saying that all of my choices on today's podcast were released somewhere in 2019 (laughs) so today obviously with 2020 soon to be behind us we're going through our favorite tv shows and our favorite movies of the year so we're not going to be arguing at the end of it i think we've had enough conflict for the time being so yep. we're just going to go through what our top 3s are and talk about why they're incredible choices yeah it's a it's a festive
1: time of year before we get on to the best of the best that this year had to offer from tv and movies and also interesting i don't know if we'll touch on it later but it, i think it's been interesting for for movies in general in terms of how distribution and things have changed but we we might touch on that a little bit later but yeah, before we get to the best of 2020, movies, TV shows, I believe you have a recommendation for us that nobody asked for.
0: Yeah, so the movie recommendation uh, nobody asked for this week, we haven't dubbed as a movie. So this is one which I think would have been top of both of our lists, but we don't think it's eligible <laughs> to no. be listed. But IMDb does. So I'm going to go for it anyway. And that is Hamilton. Which is obviously the Lin-Manuel Miranda stage show. I met him in Acosta once, which I'm fairly sure means we're best friends now. And it's incredible. It's one of my favorite musicals. I remember where I was the first time I listened to it, which was on a shitty train platform because the train wasn't working. I was in like, you know, like just the middle of nowhere station. Where yeah, the yeah. Train where the train randomly throws you out. I sat on a bench there and listened to it, waiting for three hours for the next train, nice. and it was obviously wasn't worth it cuz i could have listened to it on the train it was a long train journey but it's just phenomenal and as far as recorded stage shows go it's very very well done it's kind
1: they, of yeah i think they did a good job of it cuz there's i don't think you can see it unless you necessarily know but it's a good mix of like stuff when the audience was there and then they also cut in shots like close-ups and stuff from different angles that where there wasn't any audience as well so
0: some of the key songs they recorded without an audience so the camera could get closer and then i think everything else is a combination of two or three separate audience shows yeah um but it's a it's a phenomenal musical i would recommend it to everyone when um, you
1: um when you met lin-manuel miranda was the was the costa busy no no, okay. So there were quite a, there were a lot of people in the room when it happened.
0: Hey, I was wondering where that one was going. <laughs> um, I didn't say anything. So what happened was I used to work in Victoria. Uh, great street food there, but that's where the the theatre is. So after work, I'd work slightly late. i gone to Acosta to get a coffee on the way home, and you know when you're kind of like got your like blinders on. Yeah. So wasn't paying attention to anything went up to the little comically small table after you get your coffee where all the sugar is. Put my coffee down, was putting a sugar in, and I saw the coffee next to mine, the guy had taken like eight sugar packets, torn the top off them and just poured them in. And without thinking, I out loud said, that's a lot of sugar, looked <laughs> up looked up, and it was Lin Mamma Miranda. And it's just like, oh shit. But if I'd if I'd clocked him First, I don't think I would have been able to bring myself to talk to him. No. Did he respond? He did. We had a nice little discussion about how uh he knows he shouldn't be having that much coffee, uh, that much sugar in his coffee. His wife doesn't know and I shouldn't tell her. Well, hopefully um, she's not listening. Yeah. Yeah, ho- hopefully <laughs> But if mar Miranda is, um, you know, man, I thought we had a we had a nice time together and you never called. So what if
1: like me you've watched Hamilton is your most watched thing of this year? You've watched it so many times that maybe you want a bit of a change. Is there another so, recommendation you've got?
0: Yes. So what I thought... So if people are kind of sick of 2020, what better thing to do than watch our favourite film of 2019? So if we were doing this podcast last year, first of all, we would have had a lot less free time. <laughs> but on this episode, we would have talked at length about Ari Aster's Midsummer. So Midsummer is by far my favorite film that came out last year it's one of my favorite films anyway yeah. um i will kind of reference it i think a bit later but there's just a uh, a reaction to that film that you you rarely get in cinema like you know when you there's a difference between watching a film and feeling a film mm-hmm. and yeah midsummer does it's... something
1: yeah, and it sticks with you, because like you say, it came out in 2019, but it's still in the back of my
0: head now. <laughs> yep, I, I think that's why I don't sleep. <laughs> so now we've got the admin out of the way. Yep. We can go through our top three TV shows of the year. TV shows first, I think. Yep. TV shows first. And speaking of first, I think it's you. Oh, actually, let's let's leave a disclaimer, shall we? Um, So it's today is also... Both of our last days of work for the year? Yep. Basically. So there is a chance that the quality of this discussion is going to deteriorate the further we go into the episode. <laughs> uh, that's not my fault. That is Welsh brewery Tiny Rebels' fault. Yeah, so both first, of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my first choice is the second season of What We Do in the Shadows. So there was a lot of, a lot of shows that... Could have gone in the top three. Obviously, we've all been watching a lot of TV this year. Um a close running was The Good Place finished earlier this year, but I just had to go with what we do in the shadows. I it's available in its entirety on iPlayer. It's based on the 2014 Taika Watiti film, which was a mockumentary about <laughs> housemate vampires living in Wellington. It's so good. It has it's, one of
1: my favourite lines in cinemara as well, which is the uh, I can't remember his name in the in what we do in the shadows, but Murray from Flight of the Concords. Oh, so
0: it's just the like,
1: we're werewolves, werewolves, not werewolves. werewolves. Yeah, <laughs> yes. just fantastic, absolutely brilliant.
0: You know they were going to do a film based on him. Well,
1: they're still doing it, right? It's called Werewolves. Yes, yeah, which yeah. is
0: the, one of the best titles ever <laughs> conceived by mortal men. So. Uh, Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi produce what we do in the Shadows, the TV series, and it's not a remake of the film. It kind of just takes the idea and does its own thing with it, which I think is the way to adapt a film as a TV show.
1: Yeah, so, with some really nice nods to the the to the not only to that film but just the general vampiric universe of films as well. So there's a yeah. it's not season two, but in season one with the. I, I can't remember every. What they
0: call it. it was the yeah. it was the vampire council. And That's it, yeah. Basically, every fictional, every actor who who has played a vampire it was, was in amazing. that scene. So Wesley Snipes, Tilda Swinton, Evan Rachel Wood was in there. Uh, Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo. The cast from what we do in the shadows, the movie. Yeah. Uh, it was brilliant, but the TV show follows Nandor the Relentless, Laszlo Cravensworth nadia and the very vampire name colin robinson (laughs) who is is a character made just for the tv show so he's an energy vampire we've all met one yeah and he basically feeds off of negative emotions in people so he's just a very boring man in a beige suit who just bores people and then feeds off their energy laszlo is played by matt berry who I maintain is one of the best comedy actors currently working. Uh, yep. He was, he starred with one of the guests guests. So season two, we, we already kind of talked about season one's guest stars, but season two has a fuckload as well. So my favorite episode um, has Mark Hamill playing a vampire called Jim. <laughs> Matt Berry's character owes him money. So Matt Berry goes on the run and takes on the guise of Jackie Daytona. And the running joke is that his disguise is terrible, but nobody recognises him when he's Jackie Daytona. <laughs> and it's so fucking good. But Craig Robinson pops up as a vampire hunter in season two. You also have uh, Benedict Wong as like a shaman kind of person who I believe <laughs> I described as Dr. Strange's mate on a previous episode. Oh, I uh, thought
1: that was who you were talking about. And yeah, thanks for yeah, terrifying. yeah.
0: But Craig Robertson is uh, in this for a few episodes. And he was in a... I can't remember its name, but he was in a film with Matt Berry and Aubrey Plaza. It was like a, a night with Beverly Loughlin. Okay. Or an evening with Beverly Loughlin. And it's Matt Berry at his... It's so... Because he hasn't been in a lot of films for a guy who's so clearly very talented at what he does. Because like Toast of London is... Fucking insane. He's the best thing in the IT crowd, I think. Yeah. Uh, he was you're... the best thing in the mighty bush.
1: Yeah. A bit. and you're also like he's so good in this that you're also neglecting to mention uh Novak, who is also just another brilliant comedy actor. Like I I think he's phenomenal. Oh yeah,
0: Kaven Novak and uh Natasha dimitri who plays Nadia. Both of those are very everyone involved is just very very funny but in what is a very kind of it's obviously an american show but it doesn't feel american it does feel kind of very british or very kiwi and my favorite thing so i've tried to say this before like i i'm a massive fan of new zealand comedy there's a lot of comedy that comes out of new zealand which is really really good but also the comedy scene in new zealand is so small I don't know if I'm a fan of New Zealand comedy or if I'm a fan of like this group of friends.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've got obviously Taika Waititi, you've got the uh, Flight of the Concords guy, Rose Matafeo is a very good stand-up comedian. She's from New Zealand as well. You know, the
0: team behind, did you watch The Breaker Is? No, I haven't seen that. Uh, that's on, uh, it's, I'm not sure if it's a Netflix film, but it's on Netflix. And that was that was very, very funny. But what I like about what, what we do in The Shadows, especially for a second series, is it's not more of the same. Mm-hmm. It it does... There is a... So the, the closest thing you have to kind of an overarching storyline is Nandor's Familiar, who's Guillermo de la Cruz, who turns out is a relative of Van Helsing. <laughs> <laughs> and is very good at accidentally killing vampires. And it, it follows he's not the main character, but the main story of season two is definitely following kind of what he's doing. So it takes what everyone loved about the first series. It builds on it. It, It's not more of the same, but it's everything you loved about the first series, but then taken to the next level. It it drives a story forward. It takes the characters that they've built and just keeps them going. And then it has this massive um, kind of guest star, Kind of list as well it's just fucking hilarious it's not the, it's an easy watch as well I, I think it's just 10 30 minute episodes like yeah. i said they're all on iplayer and i would encourage obviously because this is one of my top three shows of the year i would encourage everybody to go and watch it it doesn't yeah. suck because <laughs> vampires
1: wait and also Natasha, Natasha, natasha Natasha, dimitri she's in um uh another very good uh comedy show this that came out i think the first one was this year oh no actually it was 2019 but um it's called stathlets flats oh with her brother with her brother and yeah. it is it is fantastic it's like proper channel 4 sitcom comedy but it's very very good um worth a watch
0: i didn't like the look of it from what i saw but Scroobius pip kept talking about it on his podcast yeah so i gave it a go and it is fucking amazing
1: yeah, I don't I I kind of watched it on I think I might have been like one of my early lockdown binges because I it was just looking for stuff that I hadn't seen. I went through that. I went through um this country, The Daisy May Cooper.
0: We um, we we only show. started that when she was on Taskmaster. Uh, oh, it's ta- Taskmaster. So good. Yeah. So, I we could have this little discussion now. Yeah. I made the conscious decision of just going with fiction for my top 3 TV shows. Yeah. Because it was too difficult to decide if you then throw in things like Taskmaster, which I think is the best thing that has ever been shown on TV. Um, things like The Last Dance, which is one of the best documentaries. Given I don't give a shit about basketball. like The Last, the last Dance, dance was, was incredible.
1: And it was very close to getting into mine, actually. It's yeah. so good.
0: But it was easier to give myself a caveat than make difficult decisions, which, uh, yet another glimpse into my mental psyche. <laughs> but... But yeah, so What We Do in the Shadows, strongly recommend both the film and the TV series. You don't have to have watched the film, though, to enjoy the TV series. But do watch it anyway. Oh yeah, let's watch all of these. Mm -hmm. After you've listened, or now. No, not yet. It's my turn. (laughs) Yeah, go watch it, and then come back in (laughs) 10 hours when you've watched them
1: all. This is a rarity for me, because it's an Amazon Prime TV show, and I don't watch a lot on Amazon Prime, mainly because i hate the ux of amazon prime and it's just not that friendly to kind of browse everything like netflix disney plus really quite simple everything's stitched together nicely all of the seasons are stitched together in order amazon prime for a company like amazon that does everything amazingly because they have most of the money in the world they do ux for for amazon prime really shit anyway I was recommended this and gave it a go, which tends to be the way of things on Amazon Prime. If someone says it's really, really worth watching, I'll I'll, I'll kind of give it a go. And yeah, this was absolutely worth the time. And that is uh, Little Fires Everywhere. Nice. It's, it's on my list,
0: but I haven't watched it.
1: So what is it about? So it's based off of a book. It's a limited series. I don't believe they're going to do a second season because like, the story plays out based off the source material. And I kind of hope there isn't because they did something similar with did you see little big lies a couple of years ago yeah big little lies big little lies sorry yeah yeah. and they did that the first season of that fantastic again based off a book and then the second season which was then written for tv wasn't terrible but i don't think it ever
0: lived up to the to the first season we we watched that in one go yeah, it's very good. We we started watching it at, we thought we'd put an episode on it like half 10. It was like yeah. we just we just have to keep going. <laughs> and this is
1: I don't know if it's quite similar. Reese, With- Reese Witherspoon kind of plays the exact same character to be fair, which is like she's really carved out this niche of being a bitchy rich housewife, which she does very well. She is one of
0: the best people though. Like I feel like we have to yeah yeah put that on record that she she seems the things that she does for the world kind of around her i think is a phenomenal go go reese Witherspoon. If if you're listening
1: yeah yeah i've obviously reese witherspoon and limel Miranda's wife listened to this so
0: yeah Keanu Reeves put them on
1: (laughs) but yeah i mean the so the story kind of follows these two very distinct families and it's interesting we'll talk about this i'm sure later in one of our movie choices but this um it follows a very rich affluent family it follows a poor working class family that have moved into this neighborhood who have they develop relationships with the the, the rich family and it really explores i guess a lot of the inequalities of class also of race to a degree as well there's a lot that it delves into like the family dynamics and particularly like the mother-daughter relationships in the in the in the series as well and also like the depths of the family secrets and what their impact is along the line and i mean the crux of it is is that you've got the first episode starts with the house is on fire which is the end of the series and a lot of the kind of it's not all focused about who did it? But a lot of the series, kind of, you know, the threads all weave together, and it's kind of a bit of a who done it as to you know who yeah. who eventually kind of, and you don't really know until until the end, and that's that's quite interesting as well. But it's I think more about the characters and how the relationships develop. Yeah,
0: the whole mini series who done it seemed to really come into its own recently, and by that I mean one author kept having their work adapted. Yeah, um, is it Harlan something? You had The the Stranger, you had the one where Michael C. Hall puts on like a really shitty English accent. Harlan Coburn, is it? Yeah, Harlan Coburn. Funny enough, there was a German, I think a German series based on one of his books out this year, which was supposed to be very good. Okay, The Stranger Um, was great. Oh, yeah, it was the the problem, I think, with a lot of, and hopefully I'm setting you up to compliment Little Fires Everywhere here the problem with a lot of those series is the gratification at the end of it never adds up to the chase like the, yeah the, yeah the answer never beats the question you know lost lost syndrome yeah
1: I, I think it i think it did i think it was for me it was a, it was a satisfying sort of conclusion but also the the really good thing about little files everywhere is that that whilst that was kind of the vehicle for the story it was really delving into these relationships and looking at the inequalities and stuff and it it did it in a really good way and I think that's the best for me the best thing that's happened to TV series in the last what say five, ten years or so certainly since a lot of the streaming stuff has come in is that TV networks and certainly the streaming networks have understood that not every TV series should be 24 episodes long oh yeah which, like, if, if you go back to, I know we've spoken about Lost a lot, things like Prison Break. If you go back, if if that happened now, and you did Lost in 10 really good episodes, I and I guess HBO have been doing it for a long time, right? Like, The Wire was always, like, 13 episodes max or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's one of the best things. Like, these limited series that are, they tell the story that they need to tell the that they need to tell, and the really big benefit of streaming platforms is it doesn't have to fill a, an hour or thirty minutes with adverts. You know, there could be one episode, and I think we'll probably talk about it on one of the your choices later. But one episode could be fifty-two minutes. One episode could be thirty-two yeah. minutes, and it's okay. Like that's the length of time for that story to be told.
0: Yeah, and then the benefit of a shorter series is like Reese Witherspoon couldn't commit to twenty-four fucking episodes. No. Like Michael C. Hall outside of Dexter now probably wouldn't commit to anything like that. It's why you started i think getting a lot of very, very big names uh, Julia Roberts was in one for Amazon right like you you get like proper a yeah, yeah. list names now doing t v because you do only have to commit to you know eight ten episodes and another thing which I think the format's done really well, especially for the more complex story so like thrillers and mysteries and things like that is you don't have to write it assuming people will forget details over a week yeah yeah you, you you've you designed it that you can it, it means you can go more detailed it means people can justify not there's nothing ruins a thriller like being spoon-fed the information yeah yeah hundred like just just before the scene you're kind of or in the um how many times has something been ruined in a show because you've picked up on the previously on part? Whereas, yeah, like, oh yeah. you're talking from about this character out of nowhere, which means clearly they're gonna have a surprise visit halfway through the episode. Or yeah. or just before they reveal something. It's like, hey, do you remember when we <laughs> said this?
1: Yes. Well, it's the whole previously on lost thing, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it's- um for the record like i did like like we've already agreed we're talking about this on an episode at some point but let's just put it out there briefly as a placeholder i did like lost
1: Past i tense. liked
0: yeah, yeah i liked like, four seasons we, we, of Lost. yeah we're talking we're talking about it like it was a pile of shit and there were parts <laughs> of lost that were very good but we will come to that in a future episode yeah but yeah uh,
1: so yeah and you know I think all of those points stand and Little Fires Everywhere does it particularly well in terms of a limited series etc. I don't want to talk too much about the plot because I think it's the type of thing that you need to watch because there are a lot of things that unfold as it goes so yeah just, just give it a watch. It's, for, it's got a great cast. You've got Reese Witherspoon, Kerry Washington um, Joshua Jackson of Dawson's Creek and Mighty Ducks fame because you know well, who doesn't need that?
0: I, I, I know him as the guy from Fringe.
1: slightly more um slightly more recent but yeah give it give it a watch it's it's a really really good show that asks a lot of questions about a lot of important things and and delves into particularly as i said before like the the family dynamics and the inequalities that it explores is, is really interesting
0: yeah so the problem i have is i i'm a big fan of big fires so i'm not sure And really
1: specific big fires, not everywhere.
0: Yeah, like specific big fires. That's kind of more my jam, but I'll I'll give it a go at some point anyway. You're more of a bonfire guy than a bunch of candles. (laughs) Yeah. My next choice is two seasons worth with an asterisk. (laughs) So because we didn't get Disney Plus until earlier this year, it means we didn't get any of The Mandalorian until this year. So I'm mainly going to talk about season two because that feels like the less cheat of an answer, but we can include kind of everything. So The Mandalorian is John Favreau and David Filoni's brilliant Disney Plus Star Wars series. So John Favreau, you'd recognize as the guy who basically saved Marvel from bankruptcy. <laughs> yep and basically saved star wars
1: (laughs) and had a profound emotional effect on ian on a flight back from australia
0: yep yep i just i just really love those sandwiches (laughs) so uh david filoni as well is a name which i'm probably mispronouncing but i'm gonna power through anyway who is what he's done for star wars is very Kind of underrated as well. So he's the guy behind the Clone Wars and Rebels series. Mm. So the Clone Wars, I'm I'm gonna try and keep this conversation as positive and uplifting as I can. So the Clone Wars is some of the best stuff that Star Wars had done since like the original films, basically. It's something I've watched bits and pieces of, but I really want to kind of power through, but the general consensus is it's in you know, it's an incredible kind of piece of tv the mandalorian i think is some of the best star wars we have
1: yeah it's my outside of outside of the original trilogy and rogue one it's i think my favorite star wars
0: yeah so for me the interesting thing so the mandalorian follows a mandalorian played by pedro pascal who judge dread style his helmet the whole series basically rescuing the child, which is the baby Yoda everybody has seen everywhere for the past year. Uh, And it's basically their adventures through space as he's trying to take him back to his people. That's generally the plot of season two, uh, at least. This kind of raises the question for me, which is a debate I've had a lot about Star Wars, is that I think a lot of Star Wars' problems and a lot of people's issues with the film is because people can't decide if Star Wars is a setting or if Star Wars is a genre.
1: So... Well, the genre is space opera, right?
0: But that, that's, that's what I mean. It's not. The Mandalorian is a Western... I was going
1: to say it's the mo- it's closest I feel like we've had uh, to Firefly since Firefly. Yeah, but
0: it's... The reason Marvel films are so successful is because they aren't superhero films. They're films that feature superheroes. Yeah. So Winter Soldier is a Cold War thriller. Guardians of the Galaxy is a space adventure. Um Ant-Man is a heist. Like it it's superheroes like the B genre and the A genre is something else, and they work in their own right as that. The Mandalorian is similar. So S- Star Wars is kind of where the characters' locations in the story is happening, but it is a West it is like all the story beats, especially so the season two premiere. Uh, where he literally ro- rides into a dusty town. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> meets, <laughs> meets the... They don't call him the sheriff, they call him something else, but... The... Oh, uh, uh, fuck, that's going to annoy me now. Yeah, meet meet the sheriff, who's played by, uh, you know, that guy from that thing, who's wearing Boba Fett's armour, and then they go off and fuck up a dragon. It's 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 yeah. great. Um, The dragon, not quite so Western, but the whole going out, beating something, which is taking down a town is very Western. So I think what they've done is they've taken they've taken kind of all of the nostalgia from Star Wars but not try to just recreate Star Wars. They've put it into use into telling its own story with its own tone and its own kind of set of rules. Uh, Your your dog's very loud. (laughs) And I think that's one of the reasons it's so successful. The, The recent sequel trilogy seemed to be very... Trying to make Star Wars films, so it ended. It ended up feeling. It ended up feeling like a tribute act, rather than trying to do
1: its own thing. Episode seven is basically a new hope.
0: Yeah, and we won't. Yeah, I I don't want to. I purposely don't want to talk too much about things we don't like. But the Mandalorian is just. It's an exciting story. It's similar to what we said previously. Episodes are anything between like 25 minutes and an hour, yeah uh, it's self-contained stories are really good, and then the overarching story of him trying to return baby Yoda to the Jedi basically is brilliant. It has fan service which you can appreciate even if you haven't seen what it's fan servicing, mm-hmm. which I think is a very thin line for people to walk. and then the final episode, which I don't because this the final episode only aired like what last week. Yeah, I watched it twice in a day. Yeah, it's so good. So I watched it myself, and then I immediately text you and some friends of ours saying you have to watch it now because yep. you can't have this ruined by social media. And then yep. I watched it with my housemate because I wanted to watch it again. I'm not going to talk more on it than that, but that episode is one of the highest rated episodes on IMDb. And by I that, is... I, that, I mean yeah. it's got a 9.9.
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's so good. And one thing you were talking about earlier with like the the kind of short format of things and being able to attract really good talent. A in terms of like the cast itself, you've got that because um, Pedro Pascal, etc., etc. But also, this has got some of the like some of the episodes are directed by some insane. Like you've got. Bryce Dallas Howard, John Favreau does one, Robert Rodriguez, Carl Weathers, Taika Waititi. Like, it's ridiculous the talent that they've been able to. Obviously, I say attract to it. It's Star Wars on Disney Plus, so it's probably not that hard. Yeah,
0: and then, so The Mandalorian is John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Again, I apologize if I'm butchering the name. The Boba Fett series is going to be Dave Filoni and Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Which means we're going to get Danny Trejo. Oh, without a doubt. So, Danny Trejo is confirmed, confirmed here first. It's definitely going to be something <laughs> Star Wars. But it's, yeah, I, I was going to go, the, the directors are brilliant. The tone is brilliant. It's everything you love about Star Wars while also kind of feeling a bit fresh. It, it feels like it's putting storytelling first over, hey, isn't this cool? Oh, yeah. remember these? Remember those? And it, it's, yeah, it's just great. I think, again, so it's all, every episode is on Disney Plus. Uh, it's one of the very few shows this year i watched week in week out rather than just blitzing the whole thing
1: yeah it's definitely the main reason i got disney plus like at the beginning when i got disney plus i'd basically paid 70 quid to watch the first season of the mandalorian luckily there's been a lot of good content since but
0: yeah yeah <laughs> and and now apparently we're going to get everything ever yeah uh, <laughs> I I don't feel like we have time to also go through (laughs) those Disney announcements are a separate like podcast series in themselves. Yeah. So good choice. Yeah. The Mandalorian is brilliant.
1: My second choice is another one where we got the first series this year, but I think it was in the US last year. And annoyingly, I don't think we see, we haven't got the second series in the US, sorry, in the UK, but the US has already had, second series but that is the harley quinn animated tv show which i would argue is one of the best things dc has done in a very long time like it is so good
0: dc have always been very good with cartoons Mm. like it's even when justice league and all of that was out their cartoon so their uh what do they call it uh dcau the dc animated universe yeah. was really fun and then you also have like batman the brave and the bold batman the animated series like it's it's always been seems to be the strength i think
1: yeah they also was it a couple of years ago they released um the killing joke as a feature length. Um, yes yeah which was good as well but yeah it's um yeah this is just it gets it so perfect it's it's hundred percent what Harley Quinn should be. I think it's DC's first ever R-rated cartoon that they've put out as a series. It's basically set around like Harley Quinn's quest to sort of make it on her own after ditching the Joker. You've got a really good mix of characters. I'd say King Shark is a standout hundred percent. Bane, but like Bane doing an exaggerated voice of the Tom Hardy voice of Bane is is hilarious and he has some of the best lines in the show. Poison Ivy's great. Frank the Plant is great. And then you've obviously got uh, Harley Quinn herself. Clayface. Don't forget Clayface. Oh, Clayface. I forgot, actually. Clayface is, Clayface is brilliant in it. And then you've got a really good uh, voice acting cast. So you've got... I can never pronounce her surname, but Kaylee Kuko. No,
0: it's, it's from Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I-, <laughs> uh,
1: I-, I forgot her name in Big Bang Theory. What is K- it? Ki- Theory?
0: Penny.
1: Is it Kewiko? Kewiko? Kewiko. Kaylee. Kaylee. Kaylee, Penny from Big Bang Theory, Lake Bell, Alan Tudjik, Tony Hale, Jason Alexander, Jim Rash. Like, it's got great voice um, talent.
0: Ron Funchess voices King Shark, and he's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Because I'm fairly sure he's always high. (laughs) But it's... Yeah, it's
1: just it's just so much fun it's it's really crass it's over the top it's full of pop culture references i mean i think it's it's just exactly what harley quinn should be and and then some yeah it's not you know it's not particularly nuanced there's none of the um it's not exploring any of the the dynamics and interesting things that little fires everywhere does but it's yeah it's just a it's just a lot of it's just a lot of fun and it's kind of what you want from a well certainly from a harley quinn series and actually probably from a from a superhero series like it's yeah
0: just great so it's adult swim right yeah yeah and i think that has now become an adjective as well as uh because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very adult swim <laughs> yeah yeah but that, that i love the animation style as well there's swearing which i feel like more superhero things need it's it kind of parodies it without parodying it. It's, I, I'm fairly sure everything we've talked about so far is in IMDb's top 250 TV shows. Yeah,
1: it would surprise me if not. And also, sorry, I also forgot to mention Kite Man because Kite Man is hilarious. It's just the most pointless superhero ever who um, who seems to somehow hook up with um, Poison Ivy. It's so
0: fucking funny. I love the um, relationship between Batman and Commissioner Gordon.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Where it's Commissioner Gordon just acts like a clingy ex the whole way.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's.
0: But I think my my favorite episode is, uh, so it's called "You're a Damn Good Cop," Jim Gordon, which is where Clayface loses his arm in a bank heist, and then the arm becomes a child. Yes, because and for anyone not versed with like Batman stuff, that sounds so fucking odd. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the Commissioner Gordon ends up looking after it. And it's, it's so fucking surreal. I've got so much time for it, but one of the, so I would argue the best thing DC have done in terms of TV and film is there's an episode of the Batman animated series called Heart of Ice, right? which is the Mr. Freeze origin story. And it's fucking insane. But yeah, I just want that on record. I'm not going to talk about it more. Just go and watch it. <laughs> but yeah, Harley Quinn was great. I loved. It. Was it? Uh, we got it on Channel Four.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think you can watch it in its entirety on. Yeah, all, I think it's called All Four now. Oh fuck! The what? Streaming yeah.
0: Service. yeah. UK's biggest free streaming service.
1: TM. TM. Send us free shit. Yeah. No, I think yeah. It's it's very very good. Watch it now.
0: No, no, Fran. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, that's been in far too many episodes.
0: It has. It's not as. <laughs> it's a very, very niche reference as well. Yeah. It's... For
1: everyone remember that remembers that like really specific episode of Black Books.
0: I'm coming, Fran. My first choice, then the best TV show of the year, and possibly. The best TV show I've seen in a very, very long time. So this is a show that, (laughs) similar to the well, I mean, it's next level from the Mandalorian file final. Uh, I've watched this TV show twice, and I watched it for the first time about three, four weeks ago. This is Apple TV's Ted Lasso. So Ted Lasso looks shit. The plot is it's a, it's a college football coach called Ted Lasso who's played by Jason Sudeikis, gets a job coaching AFC Richmond who are a premiership football team. It sounds like a lazy plot for a lazy sitcom that would all be fish out of water. you yeah. know, Oh, you drive on the left-hand side of the road here kind of bollocks. But it's not. It's one of the most... Unrelentingly optimistic and wholesome TV series as I've ever seen. So it's Bill Lawrence. uh So people would know Scrubs. him as the, yeah, the guy yeah. behind Scrubs and Spin City. And Jason Sudakis. It stars Jason Sudakis as Ted Lasso. You have Hannah Waddingham, who's a British act- actor who was, she's kind of more a musical theatre person but people mm. <laughs> unfortunately most people would recognize her as the shame woman from game of thrones <laughs> but she's incredibly talented and this really puts that kind of front and center you have juno temple you have nick Mohammed, who's most famous for singing the jurassic park theme tune right have you seen that no, it's a massive park. It's a yeah. It's <laughs> he did it on I think a out of ten cats to count uh, countdown, right? Uh, and it also has Brett Goldstein, who has his own podcast. It's very very funny, but he plays kind of the older, the football player in his thirties who used to be very oh. good, but nobody has the heart to tell him he's not anymore.
1: I I literally so I watched the pilot of this yesterday, yeah. and I knew I recognised yeah. that guy. Yeah,
0: but it's it's just incredible so it's it's fucking hilarious for one you get actually invested in the story the general idea is that everyone is against him and then just by being himself and open to things and just seeing the good in everything he kind of wins everything over so none of the jokes are really at the expense of anyone it's just kind of strangely comforting (laughs) he's yeah he's just kind of like this
1: really optimistic hey y'all kind of midwestern american right
0: yeah yeah exactly and i mean i'm as you are well aware i don't like football yeah (laughs) to the point where i thought i didn't like sport for a long time and it turns out i just didn't like football it's weird that this is the this is one of two
1: shows that did the exact same storyline that was came the, out this the, year
0: was it the first team yeah so the first yeah. team
1: came out it was is a british comedy series um i think it's on in, in between Us people i think BB, right? yeah it's on bbc 2 it came out and it's got um uh what's his name will arnett in it who plays the kind of oh yeah yeah ted lasso character in this but he's yeah american fish out of water coaching a football team knows nothing about football etc etc. it's yeah it's bizarre that it feels like this script got maybe shopped around and like two different (laughs) production houses decided to do the same thing but slightly different (laughs) we we can do that but that was terrible
0: yeah yeah i heard (laughs) but ted lasso is just so we like i said we watched it on a whim and then we'd watch the whole thing within like two days and then our our housemate was away at the time, so we then rewatched it with him uh, nice. when he got back. It's it's just really upbeat. It's just it. There isn't a way to phrase it without sounding like I'm being, I, I'm exaggerating. I honestly think if more people watched Ted Lasso, the world would be a better place. It's all that's about a, that's a bold claim. It's the power of non toxic masculinity. It's. All about just embracing who you are, those around you, just believing in like the inherent goodness and in people and how contagious that can be. Another thing I really appreci- appreciated about it, so the team is AFC Richmond. And they actually film it in Richmond. Nice. Which for an American TV show did kind of take me by surprise. Was like <laughs> I recognize that place. I've drank there or I've been there. Or I think we kicked a rugby ball into that bush. It's It's just great. And Coach Beard is life, which is my main kind of takeaway from it. But it's all on Apple TV and I can't stress enough that if you're going to watch any of my choices on this episode, make it Ted Lasso and make it as soon as possible. It's the kind of show where I'm going to crowbar this into everything that I possibly can, which is why I said we should also do TV shows on this episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to... i as I say I watched the pilot yesterday, and I enjoyed it. I don't think I was necessarily as sold in it as, as you, you are.
0: A, a lot of people have said that. So a lot of reviews I've read have then edited and gone, actually, you know what? I was wrong. This is fucking incredible.
1: Yeah, so I do need to... I, I, I want to persist with it, but I also don't want to pay... 599 for apple tv because i pay for enough streaming services right now. i
0: i think i've got it free for some device for a while or something yeah i think i, I can get really free know. for
1: seven days so i think i can do it's like 10 episodes right so 10 episodes in seven days 10,
0: ten episodes half hour yeah it's, do, it's doable
1: so I, w- I will i will do that and follow up but yeah it's yeah
0: it was it was it's fun and yeah good really good cast so um it's just so good man i i i already want to rewatch it at uh, I can't I can't stress that enough.
1: So we've had we've had Amazon Prime, we've had Apple TV, we've had Adult Swim. Uh we've had FX, I think what we do in the Shadows is on. FX. It was FX, yeah. But it's available here on iPlan. Nice. But up until this point we hadn't had any Netflix TV series. But I'm gonna change that with my first overall pick for for my favorite tv show of this year. Um and that tv show was the queen's gambit. Ah
0: oh, I, th- I thought you were going to do porn. <laughs> Get it? Cuz it's a chess joke. Yeah, yeah. That that works a lot more written out I think cuz that did just sound like I was talking about porn.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just 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 think about what you've done.
0: Oh well. Okay. But yeah, it's
1: oh, it's so good. I'm sure a lot of people have seen the queen's gambit. I don't think you have. But,
0: I the the problem i have with the queen's gambit is i know i have to watch it if that makes sense so i yeah. can't i you you have to dedicate the time to it to yeah yeah it's you can't have it on you have to watch it
1: yeah yeah absolutely but yeah it's, it's it's so good it's obviously it's essentially the story of beth Harmon she's going from humble beginnings as in an orphanage to becoming basically one of the best chess players in the world there's a real focus on sort of her Dominating in what is mostly a male world back in the sixties, which is a really interesting sort of take on things, there's been some i think rather harsh criticism that despite it being like this empowering t v show that she has help from men along the way, but also I don't i don't know i I feel that's overkill. I think that it works within the story in the context of everything it is largely and mostly about chess. Which, to be fair to Netflix, they have created a TV show that is one of the most watched of the year about (laughs) probably one of the driest subjects that you could think of. Like, if anyone is pitching, you know, what's the next big TV show going to be about? It, no one's thinking it's chess, like that. Just doesn't come up. But the way they've they way they've done it, and again, this is another limited series is another series adapted from a novel and again i don't think there's going to be sort of an extension to it but yeah they just did such a good job it tackles again a lot of interesting themes of addiction isolation relationships both romantic and familial and also i think grief to an extent as well which yeah it explores in some really interesting ways and yeah it's just it's just a really really great story arc there's some really compelling and performances. Um Anya Taylor Joy, she's she plays Beth Harmon. I think it's I, f- I have a lot
0: of time for Anya Taylor Joy. She's very, very good.
1: Yeah, I think it's the first thing I've actually seen her in. I may be wrong oh, really? there, but I think it might be the first thing I've seen her in and I was I was really really impressed. So um, you, you haven't
0: you haven't seen Split?
1: Oh shit, yeah she is in Split isn't she? Oh yeah. So yeah I have yeah. seen her in split.
0: Oh cool. Well then I put it to you Graham that you are a fucking liar.
1: <laughs> I did say I think <laughs> I just have a terrible memory. But yeah, she's she's really good in it. Bill Camp is in it. He's really fantastic. It's it's paced really well. It's across seven episodes again, varying lengths of episodes. And it's also had it's had this massive cultural impact in the sense that I mean, first off, it's the most the most watched limited series on Netflix ever. Um again, which is mad for a uh. series about chess. <laughs>
0: And how's your, how's your chess game going, right? It, exactly. So it's had, <laughs> it, has,
1: it has had a huge surge in chess.com signups. At its peak, they were getting over 100,000 signups a day. I, I was one of those 100,000, as was a friend of the podcast, Nate Saunders. Um, oh, yeah,
0: know? he's been on it. Uh, that's the housemate we've been talking about.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and also, um, Cinematic Races episode. That, that he joined us for. So currently, me and him have played seven games so far. I've won four, he's won two, and we've drawn one. Congratulations. If you're listening, Nate, hurry up, because you're taking forever on your next turn. Searches for chess on eBay trebled, and Walmart saw a 1,000% increase in sales of chess sets as well. Fucking hell, that's crazy. Which, yeah, it's it's nuts. But, you know, also good, because chess is actually... I haven't... I genuinely haven't played it probably in about the best part of 10-15 years before watching this and it is a really fun game it's fucking difficult and require it's it's one of those games where when you're playing it you realize you can do something really fucking stupid and it makes you feel like an idiot for the rest of the day yeah but yeah it's good fun and it's yeah as i say it's it's i know i think we i can't remember which episode we spoke about on but like the interesting sort of cultural impact that Films and TV can can have yeah. outside of outside of the the series or the film itself, and yeah, clearly, clearly, it struck a chord with a lot of people across the world. But um, but yeah, I'd urge everyone to to watch it. It's it's great from start to finish. Yeah, the be- best thing
0: I've watched this year, I think. It's now I've got a bit of time off. I might watch it now. Well, obviously not right now because we're recording. That would be awkward. But it's yeah, I, I, I want to properly take it in which yeah. is why i think sometimes a lot of shows like this i end up putting off because i have to watch them and it's finding the time but no i'm I'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to it i've heard a lot of very good things if it's number one on your list graham clearly it means a lot to you yep
1: yeah. you know and she's representing for the gingers as
0: well okay so that that was our top three tv shows of the year so you should go out watch all of those get all of those different streaming services because that's the world we live in now. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, now we're going to talk about our favourite movies of the year. So if you guys want to take an interval, take an interval, go out, I know, get some ice cream, whatever you do in an interval, get confused as to whether you're allowed to leave the theatre or not. You know, it's a, it's a tough one. But it's my choice first. Movies, Ian, go. Okay, so IMDb is going to lie about all of my choices. (laughs) Okay, so for our movies, our kind of eligibility criteria is that they had to have been released in the UK in 2020. So all of these choices (laughs) were released in the US or other places before 2020, but we weren't able to actually see them in the UK until 2020. That means they're 2020 films. You all can go fuck yourselves. Number three on my list, which was released in the UK on the 31st of January, is a film I've talked about before. It's Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse. I still have no idea what happens in this film. It's fucking incredible. It's similar to what we said with Midsummer. Where it's not just a film you watch, it's a film you feel that festers and doesn't go away. It properly kind of grabs you and won't let go, and you don't really know what's happening. Like so, your poor little seagull. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty much entirely Robert Patterson and Willem Dafoe. Uh, I don't want to rehash old conversations too much, but Robert Patterson, I strongly believe, is one of the most underrated actors currently in show business. It's a lot of people will always just know him as that Twilight guy. And he's so much more than that now. It's filmed. It's basically about two lighthouse keepers. It was filmed on location in Nova. Basically, it sounds like the worst film to have been a part of. So it was filmed on location in Nova Scotia. It was freezing cold. It was wet. It was windly. They regularly had storms. They used modern cameras, but vintage lenses. So all of the lenses were from between 1918 and 1938. And then they also threw in a filter that basically made reds turn out black. So that's why. So you've obviously got a lot of kind of red on your skin and on, on your face. Yeah and that would show up as black on black and white with this filter. So that's why you can see like all the detail and the pores and stuff on their face. Um because of the stock foot film they used, the set had to be lit between 15 and 20 times more than you usually would. So it meant Christ. that a lot of the cr- a lot of the crew had to wear sunglasses even at night. <laughs> so and then on top of that, Willem Dafoe gets buried alive at one point, and they actually buried him because why not? The full Ryan Ryan Reynolds yeah. Uh, yeah. treatment. Yeah, it was it was nominated for best cinematography at the Oscars this year, um, which it lost out to. Um, well, it lost out to 1917, which is kind of fair.
1: Really? really,
0: it's it's one of those ones where it feels like it should have won, but you can't not give it to the faux single shot two hour world war one epic but it's just it's just an incredible film it's it's visceral it's a gripping story it kind of it it's weird that it's a gripping story but i still can't tell you what happens
1: yeah i was i was talking to a friend about it today actually because they had just seen they just watched tenet today for the first time and we were having the robert patterson discussion and then i bought the lighthouse up and it's, it's a film where, you're right, you don't really know what's happened. But also, I was trying to categorize it. And oh, yeah. I, also, I don't... Because it is kind of a horror movie. But is it a horror movie? And there's potentially even, like... Yeah, there's maybe supernatural elements to it. I mean, it's definitely a movie about isolation and, like, the human psyche. But, yeah, so it's it, so it, good.
0: Yeah, it, the director said it owes a lot to Jung and Freud which says a lot, I think. Yeah. It's, it's one of those films where essays are going to be written about it and all of them will probably be wrong. Even down to which character is, like, there's so many, like, one of them could be sane, but the other not. Both of them could yeah. be insane. Neither of them could be insane. There could be supernatural stuff. There could not. There's a lot of kind of art motifs in the whole thing. It's, it's going to put a lot of people off because it's a black and white film filmed on vintage lenses starring two people one of which is robert patterson and the other one is willem Defoe. It's 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 a difficult sell and then even when you put his so his previous film the witch start was one of the first films anna taylor joy started okay and that was a film about witch hunting that was done in it was actually written in like 19th century 18th century, whatever, Boston vernacular. So it's basically done in, it's just talked in unironic, oldie-speak. Yeah. <laughs> and that put a lot of people off, but that film's fucking brilliant as well. I watched that on a train, which is not the time to watch a film like The Witch. <laughs> um, the same, f- funny enough, not the same journey, sorry, not the same train, but the same journey as I uh, listened to Hamilton for the first time.
1: Clearly an important cultural cultural journey for you. But the yeah, other that's thing cool. that's like because it's the, with the other hard sell with it as well is it's shot in like a one 1.19 to one aspect
0: ratio as well yeah so also it's quite basi- jarring it's basically a perfect square yeah. which is not what people are used to with cinema anymore no. it's but it, it's very good i mean if you're a horror fan you definitely like it if you're I think if you appreciate cinema, I think it's definitely something you should watch. It, it's distinctly not for everyone, but I fucking loved it. It, it sat with me for days afterwards. <laughs> just trying to, yeah, I clearly still can't talk about it properly. Like I, I still couldn't tell you what the fuck is going on, but I want to watch it again. It's just great. So what's three on your list, Graham? <laughs> Number three on my list is um, paint me a number
1: three picture. Well, it's the best thing that Adam Sandler has ever done.
0: Ah, oh, the Water boy.
1: <laughs> Yeah, the reboot. Yeah, yeah, and it, that is uncut gems. Stick, stick, st- sticking with Netflix. Sticking with Netflix, yeah, Netflix. I'm, I'm, ho- I'm just waiting for the. I don't know what they would give me. Maybe, maybe just get rid of my subscription fee. But yeah, it's it's so good. It's completely out of the wheelhouse of what Adam Sandler has ever done before. It's just so good it's it's adam sander plays a a diamond dealer in the new york diamond district and he's got many many demons including his ex-wife his gambling addiction he has a very young current girlfriend who who for, for a lot of the movie you're kind of not sure if she's kind of taking advantage of him for his money as a as a diamond dealer or if it's a, a genuine relationship. He's basically thinks that he's got his like final big windfall. He's got this uncut diamond from, from Africa.
0: Oh for fuck's sake Graham, call it an uncut gem. <laughs> Jesus Um He's he's got this uh unprocessed <laughs> diamond. <laughs>
1: but um yeah, basically he thinks this is he's, he's going to make his his like windfall, he's going to be able to retire. I mean, he's he's got visions of making all of this money. And everything kind of falls apart from him in in the movie and it it follows his kind of I guess his breakdown at the hands of the vices that he has. It is tense as fuck for the majority of the movie because it
0: it sets up early on that shit isn't going to go well for him yeah but you can't quite there's so much happens that he gets out of you don't know where the downfall is going to be or from who or when or why yeah. or it was i yeah i i felt that in the pit of my fucking stomach the whole time watching that film
1: yeah from from yeah nearly from start to finish it is it is so so tense there's also as i say adam Son Sandler- of doing a role that I've never seen him do anything like and, and was very, very good in it, <clears throat> which is kind of depressing when you think about all the terrible things that he's made recently.
0: But um, I it is, it is depressing. But so first of all, apparently Adam Sandler is one of the nicest people anyone's ever worked with, which I like. I like to know. But I think he's clearly made the decision that he would rather enjoy what he's doing than go properly down the... I want to, don't want to say the acting group, but you get what I mean? Yeah, like, he yeah, would yeah. he would rather film a comedy in Hawaii than sleep in a bear carcass in fucking Siberia. I mean, he's making <laughs> shitloads of money doing it as well, right? Yeah, like, M- Murder Mystery wasn't that bad. And by that, I mean Luke, Luke Evans was in it. <laughs> so I have mixed feelings about him.
1: <laughs> but yeah, as I say, he, he was really good in it. Lakeith Stanfield, who is just, I think, fantastic in everything I've seen him in. Julia Fox. You've
0: seen Sorry to Bother You? No, it's on my list. Fuck oh, man, it's meant to be very, very good. It, it's very good, but it takes a. turn. Uh, yes, yeah, so at some point, I want to do uh, films that take a left turn. episode. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm intending on watching that um, over this this break. Actually, Julia Fox has is is her acting debut, so she plays his younger younger girlfriend in the movie. She's very I, I, good.
0: I think I honestly think she stole the film. Her uh, she was very obviously next to the weekend um she was very good in it
1: yeah and actually like you so you have these these i guess they're cameos from you've got the Weekenders in it you've got um kevin garnett's in it and they do you know when you get cameos of like people in films like that like sports stars especially where i'm thinking like odell beckham jr in ballers like they're so wooden and they're so out of place that it kind of takes yeah. you out of what you're watching whereas i felt like Kevin Garnett and and The Weeknd who were playing themselves they they yeah they didn't seem to out of their depth it, it 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 was a a decent enough performance that you kind of it made it believable which was yeah. which was good because that can easily go like completely wrong
0: so um we have mentioned three films on this podcast today Mm. not not including Hamilton do you know what ties those three films together so what uncut gems the lighthouse lighthouse and midsummer a24 okay so a24 is an independent entertainment company who are basically produce and distribute films and it's a weird thing to say but i honestly think anything that has their name attached to it i would watch and it has kind of become a seal of quality i think oh shit so, i did ladybird as well yeah so um just to go through a couple so uncut gems the lighthouse midsummer last black man in san francisco under the silver lake uh high life eighth grade hereditary the Disaster Artist, Ladybird, The Farewell, Free Fire, Swiss Army Man, The Lobster, Green Room was them, Room was them, The Rover, uh, Under the Skin, Lock, it's the uh Killing of a Sacred Deer. They did Ex Machina too as well. But yeah, any anything anything that they've produced and pretty much anything that they're kind of attached to seems to have been a very, very good movie. So just uh just wanted to throw that out there as well
1: nice but yeah so um uncut gems just go watch it it's um it's great and also uh it's shot on 35mm as well which i feel is maybe lost a little bit if you're watching it on netflix but um yeah so the directors were so insistent on shooting on 35mm that they took a took a pay cut in order to do so and so one of the first things they want to do when cinemas reopened is i want to see this at, at the prince charles with a 35 mil cut as well because i feel like it would be a great film to, to be enjoyed on the big screen and one of the i know we spoke about earlier with like it's been interesting to see how distributors have have tackled this year you know you've had a lot of movies pushed back you've had some go to like a premium release obviously there was the whole mulan thing with like paying extra on on disney plus etc i do feel that's one thing we have missed a little bit in 2020 is being able to see these 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 films in the cinema which um yeah is something i'm looking forward to next year.
0: I I I paid for a couple kind of amazons they had like the premiere access stuff. Yeah. So i i paid a good like fucking 16 pound to rent the invisible man mm. which was very close to being on this list actually. And it's a very very good film but you can only imagine what it would have been like watching it with an audience yeah but yeah no good point i like that choice so for our third choices we have both picked films produced by A2, a24 <laughs> that were filmed on 35 millimeter film <laughs> uh for our second and first choices we have literally picked the same films yep so just to mix things up a bit we're now just going to talk about those two films why not? Uh, we'll still we'll still do transition music, which I will drop in now. But our second choice? Do you want do you want to do you want to take this? Yeah,
1: it's a film we've spoken about before. Waterboy. F- Boy. <laughs> Another <laughs> film that we definitely uh, definitely came out in the US in two thousand nineteen. Um, oh,
0: we we're cutting it fine because it was the first of January <laughs> in the UK. Oh, really? Yeah,
1: and. Yeah, one of my favourite movies of all time, actually, and that is Jojo Rabbit, which I know we spoke to you about only recently, but so fucking good.
0: Yeah, it really is. So it, it was, it's another Oscar, this time Oscar winning film, so it won Best Adapted Screenplay at this year's Oscars, and I mean, it, it's nice, we seem to have a, uh, it's nice to know our uh, our tastes remain the same, because... It's Taika Waititi, the man behind What We Do in the Shadows. (laughs) And also
1: directed an episode of... um, The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian as (laughs) well.
0: Very true. But he's... I've been a Taika Waititi fan for a long time. So I would strongly encourage everyone to basically watch everything he's ever made. So The Boy, What We Do in the Shadows, Hunt for the Wilder People. Obviously he's doing great things with thor with marvel he's also been given a star wars film
1: yep looking forward to that eagle versus shark was an interesting one as well
0: yeah that was that was an interesting one um i knew i'd forgotten one (laughs) but he has a very unique voice and that voice seems to be able to say a lot kind of with the role how things affect children and kind of a very innocent look on life and what's happening kind of around them so like hunt for the wilder people is about kind of a neglected child who ends up trying to run away from home and how he finds a family of his own and then jojo rabbit is obviously world war Two and the implications of the holocaust through the eyes of a german boy do they ever say where he lives or is um, it just wartime germany
1: yeah i don't i don't think they do but interesting what was so i was reading Quite a lot on this when I was looking at it for our um for the other episode where I spoke about it and he you'll notice that like it it's shot with quite a quite a bright color palette and he the reason he did that is he he kind of wanted he he felt that like a lot of wartime films whenever Germany is portrayed it's all kind of quite grey and drab and stuff because. You know, they were the bad guys and everything should reflect that. But actually, he, you know, he was saying he wanted to try and portray a sort of an accurate depiction of Germany. And it wasn't sort of all that bad. Well, it was bad. That's probably the wrong way of saying things. But it wasn't all this grey and drab. It was still a a vibrant place to a point. And yeah, I just think it's, it's taking Taika Waititi's voice and vision to this subject matter and he just executes it perfectly. Like it it doesn't miss a beat. It's got it's full of a fantastic cast. Obviously he, he himself plays Hitler or imaginary Hitler. Scarlett Johansson is so good in it. Sam Rockwell is I mean, I know we've spoken about Sam Rockwell a lot in previous episodes as well for other roles, but he is just incredible. It's hilarious. It's touching. It's unique. I love it. We can
0: tie this in with ongoing themes for a while as well so uh taiko going to be in the suicide squad nice which i haven't fawned over for a while but the rumor <laughs> is he's going to play the villain okay so i think the villain in the suicide squad and again this might not age well so at a future point i may cut this out i think he's playing like Starro, right who's like an alien star i very nearly said star you but that's obviously a different thing He's just brilliant. He's, do you know what film he's doing next? No. Um. So, again, to tie it into a previous choice, I don't care about football, but I loved the documentary Next Goal Wins. So, Next Goal Wins was a documentary about a Dutch football coach called Thomas Rongen, who coached the American Samoan national football team. Right. So... The American Samoan national football team were famous as being on the losing side of the single biggest international sporting defeat ever. So I think they lost. And what I'm doing right now is dragging this out while I'm Googling it, hoping it comes <laughs> up on uh, Wikipedia. But they lost 31 0 to Australia in 2001. Wow. And Australia aren't particularly adept yeah, at football. Yeah, exactly. Um, and had lost ever since they never i don't think they'd ever won uh everyone knows one of the most convoluted things on the planet is the fifa world cup qualifying system but they yeah. never won a game in their like sub 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 pacific bracket right but thomas Rongen then goes down and he trains the team up and it's a brilliant document it was i think it was on amazon prime but i would encourage r- renting it anyway it's one of my favorite documentaries Taika Waititi's doing a film, and it's Michael Fassbender. Nice. So it's going to be... Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be fucking incredible. I know he was tied... Oh, Michael Fassbender and Elizabeth Moss. Okay. And Reese Darby is obviously going to be there as well, who is werewolves. Um. Yeah. Everything, everything's coming full circle. It's a proper New Year's Eve episode. <laughs> um, but he was tied for a long time to... A biopic of bubbles the monkey so he was going to do an animated bubbles movie so bubbles for those who don't know is michael jackson's or was michael jackson's pet chimpanzee
1: did he did he outlive michael jackson
0: yes yes yeah i don't want to have to have been the person who had to break it to him (laughs) nothing sadder (laughs) than a sad chimpanzee (laughs) But Uh, Yeah, that would have been bad. So Jojo Rabbit, I think obviously fans of Taika Waititi were looking forward to it. But I think a lot of people were taken by surprise at just how sweet and good it was. Because it's a difficult sell, (laughs) selling. Oh yeah, so it's about this kid who has an imaginary friend who's Hitler. And then you kind of lose them. And then you have to start explaining things to people. But I know a lot of people watched it after we mentioned it in our... Um, films watching a bad day. And yeah, a lot. A lot of people loved the film.
1: It's uh I I've watched it a few times since watching it in the cinema, and it is yeah. I, I it's one of those films I could watch probably once a day and and just not get bored of it. And it's surprising they only made number two this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I tweeted. Uh, actually, no, because I, I did watch it quite late. To be fair, so I I managed to catch it at the Prince Charles Cinema uh, mm. while it was there, which was good. But I think as soon as I watched it, I. Tweeted this is one of the best films of the year. And I think that was in like February or March. Well, I mean it's not. It'll be it'll probably be February because March everything started shutting down. It was before Colour Out of Space came out. (laughs) Let's put it that way, shall we? Our first choice, again, was released elsewhere to the point that last year I put on social media what my favourite generally every year I'd put what my favourite ten top ten films were of the previous year. And a friend of mine commented on it saying why isn't this choice on there? And it's because it hadn't come out in the UK. But on the 7th of February 2020, Parasite graced our shorts. So Parasite is uh the Bong Joon-ho uh South Korean movie. It's the first movie ever to win. So it's the first foreign language film to win best picture at the oscars Mm -hmm. which also obviously means it's the first film to win best international film and best picture and it's fucking incredible
1: it is it is so good and the oscars is always a weird barometer because i mean we've spoken about this at length before i'm sure
0: i i have things to say about that
1: (laughs) yeah but this is this is one of the films that you know it is genuinely deserving of the best picture Oscar. It is it is so good. It is insanely captivating. It it grows in such a way that I certainly felt like it's it's really difficult to understand who you should be feeling sorry for throughout it. It's not even that.
0: It's difficult to figure bad out who guys the are. or who the parasite is yeah true like is it so the i I want to stay as vague as possible about the story because i think (laughs) awkwardly the less you know the more you'll get out of it but basically it's, it's about a lower class poor family trying to integrate themselves into this rich family and that's it that's all i'm telling you about the plot but you don't know if it's the the parasites, the poor people feeding off the rich, the rich people feeding off the poor, society, the country, the system. Yeah. It's. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. No. It it's it's beautifully shot, which is what you would expect from. So, Bong Joon Ho also did Snowpiercer, which is one of my favorite films. He did The Host. He did Mem uh Memories of Murder. Um, He did Okja, the giant hippo thing Jack Jake Gyllenhaal on Netflix.
1: The Netflix thing, yeah.
0: Yeah, he's a very talented director. And Parasite is... It's just something else. But because you set it up perfectly, I want to briefly talk about how shit the Oscars are. (laughs) So, first of all, this is the first South Korean film that's got nominated. Yeah, which is nuts,
1: because South Korean cinema is... I mean, there's so much to to like in South Korean cinema, right?
0: So yeah, so just off of off of the top of my head, because the tab I had open with it all has gone, <laughs> um, all of like kind of the the Vengeance trilogy. It's like old yeah. boy. So sympathy for Mr. Vengeance actually starred the guy who plays Mr. Kim in Parasite, so uh, Song Kang Ho. I think the way the f- Foreign, uh, sorry, the best international film thing works is countries will nominate films. Mm. There's then a shortlist and then there's the nominations. Right. So last year, Burning, which was a Korean film that starred, I can't remember his name, but that guy from Walking Dead. Right. That was on the shortlist but wasn't nominated. And that was the first time they'd reached the shortlist. And some of the films that they've nominated were brilliant, brilliant films. Um, but then you also have so films that have been nominated for best international given parasite was the first one to win both mm-hmm. films that have been nominated or won best international film include pan's labyrinth yep hero amelie crouching tiger hidden dragon Morris paris rasherman like there's a load of akira kurosawa films on there as well yeah, like, yeah. Se- seven samurai never nominated arguably one of the most influential films ever made didn't even make the nomination for it and there could be reasons for that i got too angry to research it anymore after that but it just it's the system especially for that just seems broken to me and that's 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 before we have the shakespearean fucking love conversation
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah the oscars is inherently like uh i don't know it's it's a shit show right like they're but it's good to at least see this recognition finally start coming through even if it's yeah. far too late because yeah. you get a lot of people who will who will stand up and and take note to films that are oscar nominated and win oscars and i think parasite has definitely it, its audience has grown a res, as a result of of this so you know i guess it's it's kind of like it's it's taking the the benefits of the, the evil that is the Oscars. But um yeah, yeah I it, absolutely deserved
0: it. It's putting it in front of an audience without it having to be remade.
1: Yeah, which yeah. I don't think I mean, maybe they could, but then they they remade Old Boy and that was a oh, that's mistake. Fucking <laughs>
0: shit. Yeah. Um But yeah, Parasite it it makes you confront a lot of very awkward things. Yeah obviously I can't speak from an American perspective <laughs> but the whole class thing seems very British as well like yeah
1: it's interesting that it's it comes up in, I know we sp- I spoke about little fires everywhere and it's it's kind of in that to a degree but I yeah I don't think the class system in the US is as pronounced as it is in the UK and then yeah conversely obviously what they they speak about in in Parasite and from a Korean perspective
0: yeah but it's just yeah it's I mean there's a chance you could have you could so we've obviously watched this we'd encourage you guys to watch it and there's a chance that all of us will take something different from it mm-hmm. like you said like who who the parasite is who you're supposed to root for who are the bad guys who are the good guys the, the ending is open to debate as well like there's yep. so many different ways that you could w- watch and understand the movie it mm-hmm. doesn't kind of force you down any kind of the. What I don't like with some films is where it feels like it's forcing you down a corridor, like that, like that scene in Old Boy, like that scene in Old Boy, which is yeah, spoiler for any best fight scene episode we have. <laughs> but yeah, it, it it's it's just so fucking good, and like I, I, it's a film that I, I I didn't watch it until fairly recently, but for uh, similar reason for the queen's gambit is that i knew not only is it subtitled but i knew that i knew it was going to be something special and i had to you had to be in the right frame of mind to sit there you know basically phone switched off just watching it and i couldn't it's it's not a short film either
1: no it's it's pushing two and three quarter hours i think yeah the other thing though you know it's speaking purely from uh
0: two two it's two fifteen 215. 215. Okay.
1: Maybe not as long as I thought it was. I also get the attraction though, right? I would like to live in that house too. That house is incredible. Ah, um, uh,
0: You obviously haven't spoken to architects. I
1: haven't apparently. spoken to any architect. Well, the so, band.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll send you into an early grave. Nice hey. joke. there. But Yeah, apparently um, inverted commas, nobody would ever build a house like that. but also i had the same thing like i was like that looks like a great i love that house but apparently no it doesn't logically make any sense it was
1: built from scratch for the movie and one of the things that they said they tried to do in building it was to create really like really clear visual lines between rich and poor yeah um which maybe is one of the reasons why it doesn't make sense. But also, fuck you architects, I like it. Yeah,
0: and, and not 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 just rich and poor, but the actual families there. So yeah. it's the Kim family and the Parks family. And yeah, there'll be straight lines and dividing lines between them in a lot of the scenes. And it's, he's just so, he was asked, this may be the Ted Lasso that I'm trying to foster in myself now. <laughs> but Ong joon ho was asked whether he thinks this is his best film and his answer to that was no my next one is nice i was like i like that man i like that but yeah i like it a lot he also so they
1: it got the best editing oscar as well and all of the editing was done on final cut pro 7 which apple stopped Supporting in two thousand and eleven, <laughs> so it was all edited on a computer that hadn't had a software update since twenty fourteen.
0: Fuck it out. It's like, <laughs> is it George R R Martin writes the Game of Thrones books on the first ever publicly accessible word processor? I mean,
1: I'm assuming, given Maybe, the rate yeah. that he writes them at, he, he writes them with a a typewriter blindfolded, using only one finger on his left hand.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, that's a different... (laughs) Top three disappointments. But, yeah, Parasite was... It was just... It was something else. I'd recommend it to everyone, obviously, because that's the point of this fucking episode. And don't be put off... If you're not
1: one for like foreign films or subtitle films, don't be put off. It's it's worth giving it a go, even if if that's not normally your thing. And also, do you know it shares something with one of your choices, one of your previous choices in um, Mad Max Fury Road?
0: Dead Rum's face? No, sorry. What, no. What, what's the...
1: There, there is also a black and white cut that they produced as oh, well. Oh, fuck,
0: yes, of course there is. Because so. um, uh, the director says that without the colour, it should make you focus more on the divide between rich and poor. Yeah. But if you... Just, just to kind of touch on what Graham was saying, even if you aren't into foreign films or subtitles or anything like that, I would strongly recommend that you watch Parasite. Once you've watched Parasite, you will be a lot more open to watching subtitled and international films. So I would recommend going out there and watching. So, well, I mean, everything that we kind of said before. So Pan's Labyrinth is an incredible um, film in Spanish, uh, kind of dark fantasy set during the Spanish Civil War. Um, Hero is one of the most visually beautiful films i think i've ever seen so it's jet lee and it's three different stories that each have their own distinct color palette and it's fucking gorgeous you've then got the vengeance trilogy which is another south korean um uh kind of spiritual trilogy rather than an actual story one so yeah. sympathy for mr vengeance lady vengeance and then old boy which i think is my favorite film Old it's, Boy is just is so good. My my favourite film flicks between three. So depending the day, it's either Old Boy, the Big Lebowski, or Midsummer. Nice.
1: With and with that trilogy as well, actually talking about like alternate cuts, I think it's Lady Vengeance has a whiteout cut. So Yes, I've heard about that. It go, as it goes through the movie, the saturation gets to a point and then at the yeah. end it, it whites out. Which I haven't watched, but um, is a really I,
0: interesting concept. Yeah, ne- neither have I, but I've heard about it. Another one that's worth mentioning is so. Have you seen The Guilty? No. So The Guilty is a Danish film. So if if you guys are into like crime thrillers, any Scandinavian film, yeah, like nobody does crime thriller like Sweden, Norway, Denmark. It's so Headhunters is an incredible one. Um, the uh, original Girl with a Dragon Tattoo stuff. Um yep. But The Guilty is... So it's a Danish film about an emergency... Um, what do you call them? The guys who answer 911 or 999 calls.
1: A uh, dispatcher.
0: Yeah, so an emergency dispatcher who receives a call from a woman who's been kidnapped. And the entire film is him on the phone in an office. And that's all you see. And it's just... yeah i haven't seen a film like that before it's it's one of those ones which has done so well i can remember things that didn't happen just because of the conversation that was happening it's like you end up imagining the other side of the so she's stuck in a van similar to like buried yeah exactly so there's she's she's phoning from the back of a van and you end up thinking of you know this person trapped in a van but you never actually see it on screen disappointingly it has been acquired by an american studio but it's jake gyllenhaal's okay so i feel like an english language remake could actually depending how he whether, depending if it's a rehash or if it's taking the concept and doing something with it i think it could be quite interesting but
1: there's definitely taking, yeah there's definitely more misses than hits with american remakes of foreign language films but there are a few one well, i know we spoke before like the ring is is pretty good american remake and um
0: so th- the one that always springs to mind which uh spoilers for the watch list that's coming out tomorrow um so the uninvited is an emily browning horror movie that's based on a i think it's a korean film called a tale of two sisters mm. um which is about uh there's two girls whose dad remarries and they don't they basically think their stepmom is a murderer who's on the run i think i preferred the remake and that's the only time i probably feel like i can say that yeah it's because there's yeah we won't we won't go down this line of conversation because we're definitely gonna be having this conversation next month but (laughs) yeah basic basically give parasite a go when you see how good it is we will then just throw film recommendations at you to watch. It's so good. It is by far, and this is no reflection on, I think, any other film. It's just, this will be up there for film of the decade, and it's 2020. I haven't looked at, even if we counted it as 2019, it would still be one of the films of the decade, last decade. It's going to be one of the films of the decade this year. It's Then if you look at the cultural side of it as well, like again, raising the... At least the Western perception of international films Mm -hmm. is going to be huge moving forward.
1: Yeah, Parasite. I know this sounds stupid, but it massively took me by surprise how good it was. And I think because I had the whole like, oh yeah, okay, I've seen Best Picture Oscars before and they've not lived up to the hype. And also because it had so much hype. And I went into it having no idea about the story whatsoever. And yeah, it just proper like punched me in the face with how good it is, and I, yeah, just I I want to watch it again. I, I want to watch the black and white cut actually. That's that's yeah. yeah needs to be needs to be done over the uh the Christmas period. But yeah, go go watch Parasite.
0: Yeah, I, I think I escaped that because cause like I said, Snowpiercer so one of his previous films is one of my favorite. films. I love I uh, post apocalyptic stuff. Very nearly was on my list for a previous episode, but because because I was a fan of the director before. I was kind of aware of this when it came out, and then it kind of had its popularity wave. All right, hipster Ian. Oh yeah, yeah. I kind of liked him before he was famous, you know. Well, <laughs> one of the benefits of Parasite, is Snowpiercer finally got a UK theatrical release, mm. and then the world shut down and I couldn't go.
1: But yeah, like you, said, but already seeing the benefits. Yeah, of, yeah, of exactly. The popularity of, of foreign language films. So um, yeah, yeah.
0: So, so yeah. I mean. 2020 has been fucking weird, man. It's been awful, but there's been a lot of good shit to watch, which has helped. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. A lot of good shit to watch. I mean, we obviously don't... Nobody knows what 2021's going to be, but if we all become a bit more like Ted Lasso, maybe everything's going to be okay. So if you agree with our choices, if you think uh, something else should have hit our top threes if you want to let us know what your top three films and tv shows of the year were you can find us on instagram at the podcast nobody asked for and if also one of the big things you did in 2020 like me
1: was go back and revisit lots of things that you love previously because you just needed that warm embrace of the u.s office and parks and recreation and community over and over again tweet us about it at nobody asked for pod on twitter and uh, we're also at the same address on Facebook as well. And
0: you can rate us on Apple Podcasts and in your review, leave any episode ideas you have and we will do the best ones. But yeah, I mean, Happy, happy New, new year. year. Oh, we I did. I hope they. 20. Yeah, I like that. That was, that good. was good. Well done. Go on. Look, look at us. <laughs> um, so, Happy New Year. Hopefully 2021 is better for everyone. And yeah, I mean, let old acquaintance be. Blah, blah, blah.
1: Yeah, and roll on the Book of Boba Fett. That's the only thing I can think of that's coming out next this <laughs>
0: We'll be here. That's the yep. important thing. So uh, we'll see you next week for our first episode of 2021. It's definitely, definitely not about somebody who died. this